everybody welcome to another episode of geek series podcast today we have a very special guest we have john avina now is it avina or avina 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 there you go so john avina and we also have um he he <laughs> likes to consider himself the fan favorite uh we have uh mr man spider um, um i don't like to consider myself the fans that spoken for me of course i'm the fan favorite because you know Everybody likes chocolate. I guess. I mean, <laughs> I, I can't have any right now. I'm on a diet. So, so uh, yeah, like I, I, I went to a doctor and they told me something that I already knew, right? That I was fat. So uh, they told me they're like, you know what? Well, you got to lose weight. But besides that, I had high everything except sugar, right? Like everything was high, like cholesterol. I don't, I don't, some stuff I can't pronounce because I just don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, and my blood pressure was high. So from there, they're like, you know what? Two choices either you got a medication or you lose weight and you gotta change your diet. So I am on week one and a half of no coffee, and I've been a coffee fiend. So like four four to ten cups of coffee a day. I wouldn't so say go this ten, but you were it, it was around four okay. cups of coffee. Yeah, I, I that's lie. the boat I'm in now. <laughs> four cups of coffee a day. Yeah, I'm a funeral director, so like mm, okay, it's they're long days. Yeah, oh man, I, I can imagine long days go <laughs> with lots of emotions. Yeah, yeah, especially in that, that line of work. Uh, but yeah, so we we got uh John Avina, so uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about hold on, hold on. Be- before anything. So, we do have a we, I did make a little promo thing and I forgot to, I forgot to add it because Ernest never reminds me, but here did we go. Did I not just ask right before this? Does he have everything in line? So, we got John Avina. From Avinia Comics. There you go. See? This is what sucks when you're the only person that controls everything. That if I forget <laughs> and then then I got Ernest yelling at me like, hey dude, you, you forgot to put the outro. You forgot to do this. I'm like, oh my god. I yeah, gotta give you gotta access. I gotta go back cause... in editing and do it. Yeah, but uh so John, um now uh, a little bit of background of how I found your comics. Um I was on Instagram and I saw a post. So we're we're kind of we became very big fans of indie comics. Uh, it started maybe about a year and a half ago, two years ago. Um, like before, it used to be all like Marvel, DC, you know, uh, Image, um, uh, Dark Horse, all that kind of stuff, right? But from from there, uh, we started going to local conventions. We started meeting a lot of lot of folks and then it's like hey i got this book so we read it we're like oh there's a lot of talent just because it's not a you know like a big brand uh doesn't mean it's not a good book right so from there we started getting more and more into indie comics so i happened to stumble upon your book and it's the very first book that we actually did which was lockjam pistolero this is the first book i stumbled across on instagram so from here, I, I ordered it, uh, which, by the way, thank you for uh, personalizing it. Um, <laughs> I, I forgot to say uh, to Geek Studios, Miguel, a.k.a. The Best. Um, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get that worked out, uh, John. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so this is the first book from uh, from you guys that, that I've seen. Now, did, did you write? Did you illustrate or did you do any of the ink work? So I'm the writer and creator of it. Uh, I have a team that I do with all my books. So I have different artists that I work with. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so that one was by uh, Medicine Lima. He's yeah. the uh, artist and the inker. And then we have Julio Santos that did the coloring. And then Spacely X is our uh, letterer. Okay. Which, by yeah. the way, I got to say, it is amazing. And props to everybody that did the drawings and did the illustrations. Because they just go so well with the story. And I feel like it it just it blends perfectly. And it's to the point that, like... Uh, so I, I did fall a little bit in love with the with the villain of this of the story. <laughs> yeah. So I did have to. Uh, I did have to buy it in a bigger size, because uh, <laughs> so I you can't see, but like right here I, I put I post like uh, uh different uh artwork from different artists. So from there it's like oh like this one will go up there, but yeah I was like very great job, awesome. very good job. <laughs> but thank uh, you. So now, now going going back. So, what got you into making comics, or like, how did you come across that idea of like, you know what, I want to create my own comics? So I originally went to school for like filmmaking. Okay. So I learned like storytelling and script writing and all that kind of structure stuff from there, and I would make like shorts and stuff with my friends. So that was always like a big help, and then graduating i were taking like pa jobs not really getting anywhere so i started shooting like weddings and odd jobs and all that and then right when the pandemic hit uh like scott snyder started teaching us like a class on writing for comics oh and i just kind of jumped into it i was like all right well like i have these scripts i have these ideas like it's time to make something with it like just try and uh my son was born in october of 2020 so it was just kind of like well do i want him to think of me as like the guy that just goes to work comes home and doesn't like i want him to be creative too because mom was a mariachi singer oh okay and then, yeah and then she stopped doing that because she had kids work like life got in the way so i was like well that would be me again so i was like well time to break that cycle a little bit and i jumped right into it and luckily uh, i found medicine through instagram and I sent him the script and I was like, I have five issues written like and I really want to make it. And he was like, all right, like I like it. Let's make it. So we went through some like design stuff with another guy that I went to Scott's class with. Like I just met him through that like discord server that they have. And it, it worked out like I got the the images back right away. I sent him a medicine. We worked on like paneling and all that stuff together. So we learned together like how to make the book work. And now it's just he'll send me a page. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what I wanted. So cool. And now like we're halfway through book two. But this year alone, we have four Lockjaw shorts that came out. Yeah. And then we have two more coming out right around the time issue two comes out in August. Mm, okay. That's yeah. Now, uh, so where do you like I, I see where you got the, the uh, some of the ideas for Lockjaw yeah. and Pistolero. Uh, but one of my favorite parts is um, the fact that you it's like so like I'm Mexican and I, I appreciate any book that has Mexican culture, Mexican references in it because it's it's rare and the ones that are out there sometimes is just they're not the best ones, right? So yeah. I do I that's one of the big draws for me that, that this book had uh, but what got you into thinking of like hey you know what let me bring you know, Mexican culture of uh, Mexican gods and, and and then afterwards uh 
everything else involved with the book. Yeah. So for me, it was there's not a lot of representation for Latino stuff out there. And I looked at my uncles and all of them like Speed Racer was like their hero. Like that's <laughs> yeah. the only comic book character that they know. Yeah. And I was just like, well, he's not Latino. Like he works in a garage. Like yeah. and all my uncles <laughs> are mechanics. Oh, so okay. I was like, I see where they got that from. Uh, but like all of my older cousins, like I see your Dragon Ball Z thing, like Mexicans yeah. relate to like Speed Racer, Goku, uh, Vegeta, like they have their guys, but they're not Latin characters. Right. So I just, I wanted a character that my uncles would see and be like, oh yeah, that's the guy like that. That guy's cool. So yeah. I started kind of working on like, well, what does it mean to me? And then it got kind of a little too meta where I was like, well, Latinos are like, it gets complicated because like we're a little bit spanish we're a little right. bit like native but i always just say i'm mexican because it's the easiest like yeah i'm mexican that, that's what i am my family is from the same little town tamasula it's right outside of guadalajara mm. and like i still have family there like my grandpa's still there my dad's my grandma's still there so i i still feel connected to it and it's just i wanted to showcase that and just kind of help answer questions for myself like where did the gods go? Mm. And when the conquistadors came, if you don't have followers and you're a god, do you just like wander around when you have no people? Mm. So that's what this book is going to start to get into is like, well, the Aztec gods are gone, except for the god of death, who's on the cover, yeah. because all they all he has are the dead people that he's watching over. So his mm. watch is never going to end. And now that this guy has kind of like made a deal with him and he's out there, it's kind of sparked new life into this God. And we're going to see that rise to the surface and just what's going to happen now that like magic is trickling out. Ooh, and that's man. the cool thing with like that Jimena character too, because she's the main pro like antagonist throughout all of this. But I have a short story for her coming out and it's just the most fun to write her because she's Ooh. just, Yeah. She's great. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, so like I, I did show it to my, my kid, right? My kid's a huge like Supernatural. I don't know if you ever seen this TV series. Oh, yeah. She's a huge fan of Supernatural and that kind of stuff. And at the same time, um, so she was, I was born here in, in Chicago, right? Uh, and then she was born here in Chicago. So I feel like she's in that, in that group where she feels disconnect from the culture. Because uh, she's also half uh, half white, uh, so what's it called? So she feels that disconnect, right? She's like, you know what? I don't feel truly Mexican. So she's trying to find things that make her like feel more Mexican. So I told him, like, hey, there's this book. Uh, I really liked it. Like, uh, I don't know if you want to you want to try it. Um, and she's like, oh, what's it about? I'm like, I right, think of uh, a mariachi guy does supernatural quests, you know, like the, like the supernatural thing, and She's like, wait, so Mexican is doing like the supernatural stuff. I'm like, yeah. She's like, yeah, I want to see it. So like, she read it, <laughs> and then it was hard to get it back because the one thing about her is when she likes a book, it's very hard to get it back from her because I just don't like her having them because she doesn't take care of the, the comics the, the way she should. And you know she's gonna listen to this podcast. Oh, right? she's she's right next to me, it. dude. Like she's like I'm she's gonna send right her copy. here. <laughs> yeah, she's like I'll right send her here. her own copy too. <laughs> yeah, like like 
she'll yeah. she'll listen to it. So she considered since she was a little kid, she always considered herself manager of the podcast. So yeah, we would go to conventions. She would go around like, "Hi, I'm the manager, right?" She is the manager. And, <laughs> like I was like, "Wait, what are you talking about?" I'm not gonna say no, right? I'm like, "Oh yeah." So everybody's like, "Oh, that's so cute," right? So like now she grew up. So now now uh, now she's a teenager. And what's it called? But now she's like, oh, you know, I'm still the manager. Uh, everything has to go through me. And I was like, what well, are you talking about? We're going to have to reevaluate that position because, you know, while I did agree at first, she ain't been doing no management work lately. She's been getting <laughs> out of us to go play with friends and enjoy them. Now, um, so I also read some of the other books that you have. For example, I read Sin Ma Muerte. Now, I won't. I won't say what I think about it yet because this isn't for a future one of the uh, indie reviews that we're going to be doing uh, during the episodes and on Instagram. Uh, so everybody that's following us, you'll you'll find out more about them. But I highly encourage you guys to get any of the Avenia comics because they are really good. They're well-written. The illustration is amazing. So I got to say, like, it is amazing work. It is rare to find somebody and like an indie and in indie uh comics and especially a, a new one because you you started this what two years ago three years ago i started writing it uh for comics three years ago and like uh i remember so for my son's first birthday we took him to disney world mm -hmm. and i was in line for the frozen ride and my phone went off and i looked and it was the first uh like six pages of sketch art for lockjaw because <laughs> that was our first book mm -hmm. and i was like geeking out hard and then we went last year and I got back the lettered pages. Oh. So within that like year to year mark of us going, I got it started and I got it completed. Wow. And I was I was in Epcot the next time, but I was drinking in the Mexico Pavilion. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I got I got the finalized pages and I was just like, oh, like I have a completed comic. And then the panic came in of like, how do I sell it? <laughs> yeah. What do I do? <laughs> so now I'm doing like the convention circuit and all that stuff. But well, what we were kind of talking about earlier about like the representation, where do the ideas come from mm -hmm. and how you said your daughter felt that disconnect. Mm -hmm. So I lived in Pilsen most of my life, like right there on 18th and Ashland. Uh, there's a tortilleria and that's my grandpa's. Mm, really? Like I, yeah. So I would come in and out of there just like I, I felt like I owned that block because I was just running around doing whatever the hell I wanted. <laughs> so I, I, I currently live on 52nd and Ashland and I go um to the orange line all the time and i see all of that like i go all that way i've eaten there quite a bit recently actually. <laughs> <laughs> and the comales yeah. right there has been there like my whole life so i'm like i'm a frequent visitor when i go mm, okay. uh, but i wrote that last paletero as like a love letter to pilsen and the neighborhood because i moved out to the suburbs mm. so i'm in like lamont but it it doesn't feel like I'm home. I still work in Pilsen. Like my funeral home is there. Okay. So I wrote, cause I wanted to make a folk hero. Cause we don't have one. Like the closest we have is Zorro, but that's like, I found yeah. out recently that that wasn't a Mexican guy that created it. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing, there's nothing Mexican about Zorro at all. So that hurt. So I was just like, well, I need somebody like there's gotta be someone cool. So I looked like, well, who's in the neighborhood that everyone sees that like knows everyone's story. And I was like, the Alote guy, the Palatero guy. Mm -hmm. And I just, I like saying Palatero more. 
So I just <laughs> I did like a lone wolf and cub thing where like he has his cart and like the bars come out and their weapons. And I was like, I wanted to make a folk hero. So your daughter's not alone in that, like feeling that disconnect. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it happens, right? I think um and there's always that kind of feeling too. Uh, so I grew up in a uh, little village. I grew up on 26th in California or yeah, 24th in California. So I was always, uh, always, always like on Cermak. That was the biggest, closest street to me. I was just always on Cermak. And, you know, like when I was living there, when I was growing up, I felt very Mexican because I was like, everything is Mexican around me. Now I had the luxury of going and moving to Mexico. We, we moved out there. We were living there for three years. And I learned I was a not a traditional Mexican because it's a lot, it's a different lifestyle, right? Yeah. And you know, like like you said, it, it, it kind of happens where it's like here I, I was always like, Oh, I was I was the Mexican guy. And when I went to Mexico, I was the American guy, right? Because it's yeah. like, <laughs> so I was like, Oh, okay, I guess. So uh, it, it's it's just funny, right? And uh, but my yeah, like uh like what you were saying with my daughter and like other kids, because she does tell me about uh, other kids in her school where it's like even speaking Spanish sometimes like it's hard for these for a lot of kids because um, they just either they don't get taught it or they just don't want to learn. I have a cousin who just refuses to learn it because he thinks learning it will bring no no benefits. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? I'm like, hey, go ahead. You know, it, that's what yeah. you feel. Go ahead. I'm like, I know like for me, speaking Spanish has helped me throughout my whole lifetime. Uh, currently, I am a, uh, I have a confusing role, and I have to make sure I get it right because I get corrected because I am not an, I'm not an, I'm, I am not technically the basis of an engineer because if I say, oh, I'm an engineer, Mr. Manspite is real, real quick to correct me. Like, you're not an engineer. <laughs> I'm between a data analyst and an, and an engineer. So it's kind of like, it's one of those weird titles, right? So even even in that in this role, there's so many people that speak Spanish in the company, and just by me speaking Spanish, and uh, there's people in higher positions in in other departments. I talk to them and just because I talk to them. I get stuff done faster than everybody else because they'll prioritize, you know, whatever yeah. if I ask them to do something. So to me, like you know, speaking Spanish has always been. Uh, a very huge uh, thing in my life, and I do like anytime I see it in uh, in art or I see it in movies and stuff, and especially when it's organic and it's not, you know, like when you watch Hollywood movies and yeah. they they bring in these uh, Mexican characters and <laughs> their their Spanish is just so bad. You're you're like, bro, yeah. come on. <laughs> I, I was watching. I love the uh, Magnificent Seven, the new oh. one. Yeah, okay. It's like a guilty pleasure for me, but I like I know everyone's name in that movie, but the Mexican guy, yeah. because they don't really they say it once, and then like that's it, and then he's always like they just call him like muchacho and stuff, <laughs> and then every time he talks, like I can feel the accent like pouring out. And I was like, that's not real. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, like you're doing it more. I was like, I get it because it's like it, that's what that movie is kind of doing. It's playing with like the stereotype of like the western genre and i was like i i get it but like th i feel like that's every mexican character in most things yeah. for like any kind of genre stuff like the worst i'm still getting mad about it is suicide squad oh yeah with yeah. with diablo <laughs> yeah, yeah and like 
everyone else sees like the perfect future like harley and joker are in the kitchen cooking but diablo still face tattoos and everything like his perfect life it was just like a tuesday for him I was like, he didn't want to go back and like fix anything that happened. <laughs> and then like he gets like that, like that Aztec the deity moment or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, all right, like that's cool. And then it just gets snuffed out. And I was like, yeah, yeah I guess Suicide Squad. Yeah. Oh, David yeah. Ayers and me got issues, man. <laughs> I think a lot of people have issues with him because of that movie. Uh, well, and then, <laughs> well, like he did Training Day and stuff too. Yeah, and then I was watching Training Day, and I was watching the scene where they put Ethan Hawke in the tub, and I was like, yeah. "Oh, this is like a great scene." So I'm like looking up the actors because they're all Mexican gangbangers, right? Yeah. One of the actors is Mexican. The other guy, the main guy, Smiley, he's yeah. not. He's like Arabic or something. Yeah, he's, he's not Arabic, Mexican. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I remember seeing that, and I was like, "All right." And then like Street Kings, I was like, "It's kind of Training Day too," and I was I was watching, and I was like, "Oh, okay." Like, there's that Hector guy again, and yeah. We're doing it over again. <laughs> and, and his name is always, always Hector. Like at first I thought it was funny, but now I'm just like, poor guy. Like that's the roles that they're giving him. Yeah, I mean, when you get yeah. typecast and you never can get out of it. Yeah, it's speaking rough. with you. Know, <laughs> the funniest thing that you said is the fact that the Arabic guy was playing uh, Mexican. Because I guarantee you, the first time I met Miguel. I would have swore he was Arabic. I knew everybody from it. Everybody. Thinks <laughs> he was like, <laughs> it is. It doesn't help that he always plays into the joke, and he'll hit you with the whole new world. <laughs> <laughs> so, be, like, obviously now I I, I grew facial hair, uh, but before everybody used to call me Aladdin, because uh, they're like, you look Arabic. I was like, oh okay. And then uh, when I was younger, I used to work in retail. And even even when I was working construction and all that, like everybody thought I was Arabic, everybody, right? <laughs> and it got to a point where, like, when I was working in retail, uh, we just happened to be in a zone where which was very very populated, which was by like 63rd and Cicero, so it's like right by Midway Airport. Um, so th uh, there was a lot of uh, Arabic people that would go to that store, and all of them would come up to me and they would start talking to me Arabic, and I'm like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 <laughs> I don't speak it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, and they're going off, and from there, they thought I was Arabic, but just didn't speak Arabic. So they started cursing me, and I could tell because you know their their face their faces starting <laughs> to turn red, their heads moving more. They start using their hands more, and I was like, "Wait, Mexican?" I'm like, "Mexican, Mexican," and then they stop. Mexican? I was like, "Yeah." Oh, so sorry, and they leave. I was like, so I was like, "Oh crap!" But yeah, I I get that. <laughs> I've gotten that my whole life. Like, oh, are you um, Arabic or no, I'm not Arabic. Um, I am Mexican. Uh, I don't believe I have any Arabic in my bloodline from from what I recall, from, from what I've been known. Right. But <laughs> maybe, maybe it's my mom because my mom's a Veracruz. So maybe from there, you know, I don't know how like they're a little darker and <laughs> the nose is more prominent. I Maybe I'm not sure. Uh, but when you were talking about uh you know, looking into your own culture, I thought that the best one, uh, uh, well, besides the uh, the Pistolero one, right, is uh, the Lucha Forever, just because what says more like, hey, I'm Mexican than, than La Triple A and La Lucha Libre? Yeah. I was like, you know, like, I remember like La Parca and all those, like, I was like, okay, I was like, so this really caught my attention, and I showed it to one of my friends, uh, like, uh, he's, uh, well, he's both of our friends. 
Yeah, he's but both he's, of our he's wrestling. Yeah. And he's <laughs> huge into wrestling. He has a wrestling podcast and everything. And uh he goes to all the indie shows here in uh in uh, around the Chicago area. And yeah, the ones in like Berwyn. Mm-hmm. So yeah. and he actually interviews the, the wrestlers, they jump on his pod and all that. So anytime there's something out there, like I'll tell him, Hey dude, there's this book. So like I told him, like, hey, dude, there's a there's a wrestling book I found. And he's like, Oh yeah, you know, just send me a copy and you know, like I'll I'll read it. So uh I haven't been able to send it to him because I was gonna give it to him because I was gonna give it to him this weekend. But uh like yeah, so if you get if you get any uh an email or any messages from a weird person saying like hey dude i really appreciate your book it was him right oh very nice <laughs> yeah. yeah i don't know if you could see behind me we actually made the mask yeah the i mask. seen it on yeah. instagram yeah yeah that's crazy uh, yeah uh, we did it for the kickstarter so we had a tier where people could buy it so we sold a couple of them and, and I uh, missed that the kickstarter, story of course uh, it was last year. <laughs> yeah, we're making more, and we're gonna take them to conventions when we go. So, but those wrestling shows in like Berwyn, a lot of those wrestlers, uh, some of them live in Pilsen, uh-huh. so they saw my flyer. So I like reached out to them on like uh, Instagram and stuff, and I was like, "Hey, like, I'm trying to make this book. It's about wrestling, but it's about like Mexican parenting and all this other stuff." I was like, "So, like, if you could, could you like share it?" And a bunch of them were like, "Yeah." And they like shared it out. <laughs> so I got a bunch of weird messages from like wrestling fans. They're like, is this a cartoon? Like, what's this on? And I was like, it's a comic. Like, you should read it. I was like, you might like it. And then, yeah, but no, that book is, uh, I'm like real protective of it. Cause a lot of it is like, it goes real deep into like parenting stuff coming up and all that. And it's like the dad's whole mission statement. It is like straight positivity. Like I'm gonna, I'm still going to be an actor, even though I'm like, yeah 50 and the world's ending around me like i can still do it and it just having a kid and jumping into a new career i was like i need to tell that story and yeah lucha forever there's a lot of really fun stuff coming up because we're on issue two now mm, okay yeah and the opening sequence of issue two it's not going to spoil anything or anything but it's like a giant wrestlemania scene and it starts with that el toro fuerte guy from the first issue mm-hmm. on top of a ladder and King Midas at the bottom. So I was like recreating like all these like raw moments from like my childhood. Nice. That is yeah. Beautiful. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Like my dad almost, my dad was considering at one time becoming a wrestler. Uh, so my dad used to do bodybuilding when he was in Mexico. Uh, he competed. He won like Mr. Guanajuato. He won Mr. Michoacan. Uh like city city once and he he competed for Mr. Mexico and he lost and he's been bitter ever since so he quit he's like I'm not doing it no more and he told me he's like yeah like I was gonna do wrestling right after that I was like bro you you do not work out as a wrestler like he has the worst temper like I took him to one of the shows right so uh you know like the heels are always the ones that you know they they rile up the crowd so you know they're rallying up the crowd, and we just happened to be right under the announcers. It, this was a Bourbon Street on 115, and like by Kedzie, and what's it called? So we were right under the announcers. So he started blowing kisses to the announcers, not us. I <laughs> I look up, I'm like, okay, they're up there, right? My dad, for some reason, thought it was towards him. He felt really offended. He's over there flipping them off. He's he starts like trying to like rush to like 
to the ring, me and my brother holding him like, bro, chill, chill. It, <laughs> what are you doing? He's like, he blew me a kiss. I was like, it was to the people upstairs. It was not to you, you know? So I was like, yeah, you thank God you were never a wrestler because I think you would have been a horrible wrestler. <laughs> that would have been a crazy moment if your dad just like pulled the mask out of his pocket. He's like, I've been waiting my whole life for this. Right? They got the spandex, oh, span, the spandex pants. <laughs> He's like, I wear them all the time just in case. <laughs> I can totally see your dad doing that. Oh yeah, yeah. he he probably do it just to fuck with you and uh your brother. <laughs> but I can totally see him doing that. Uh, see, I would think so, but uh, so obviously being Mexican, I played soccer my whole life uh, until I uh, messed up my ACL and needed surgery. And that's where all the weight, all the game, uh, all the weight came from, right? Um, and what's it called? So I remember when I was still playing, my dad's like, "Hey, I'm gonna jump on the game." I swear, he touched the ball. And somebody came behind him, pushed him a little bit. He just fell. And, like, from there, he couldn't move his leg. Like, desgarre. Like I don't know how to say it in English. I'm sorry, Ernest. Uh, he pulled a muscle. <laughs> he pulled a, a muscle. I guess I guess that's what it's similar, I guess. But yeah. uh, uh, so because of that, afterwards, he couldn't even put his socks on, couldn't put his shoe on. I was like, bro, I'm like, just stop. <laughs> my dad's, uh, like, minor league soccer coach. Okay. And my little brother plays for like teams hire him in mm -hmm. Joliet to go play. So like every other week he'll jump on a different team, but they like, they'll, he gets paid to go. And then there's like me, who's like the older brother who was just like, no, no, no guys like Batman. <laughs> yeah, and my dad's just like, no, it's fine. Cause I used to play and I kind of had a temper on the field, but like off the field, I didn't care, mm -hmm. but like I was a forward. So like if the ball got taken, I'm like running back past midfield to get it. Cause like now it's personal. And then I'm missing it when it goes back. So soccer just never worked for me, but I'm working on a soccer book. That's, oh, shit. Dude, that shit's awesome. Yeah, because like, I need to. I, I got to cover that base and like what that could mean and like the kid that couldn't do it. Yeah. So it, it's going to be fun. But <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Like for us, uh, for me and Ernest, uh, so we're into the whole geek nerd kind of culture. So it comes to like comic books, anime, man manga, uh, video games, all of coding, it. tabletop games, uh, tabletop, all, all that stuff. We cover a little bit of everything, right? But at the same time, we're also jocks. We go to the gym, <laughs> stuff like so. You know, it's a weird aspect that we're in, but weird bubble, right? But right now, I like uh, in anime, there is like soccer. It became a huge thing. There's like blue lock. Yeah, there's Lock. Lock. Uh, there's uh, what's the other one? Um, I can't remember the other one. Uh, um, there's another soccer one. Yeah, there's another one. Uh, it's uh, it just came so it came out a little bit, a little bit before. It. Yeah, yeah, little, it came bit, out a little bit uh, before. Lock. But Blue Lock just it came in Blue so just strong, so powerful. Yeah, yeah, it just took over. Anything anime, if you throw a tournament into it, you got the fan base. They're like, oh, a tournament arc. Yeah, yeah, like that's what I'm about, 100. But my favorite like sports anime thing was Ice Shield, the okay. football one. Like yeah. back in the day, I got super into that one. So when we're writing this one, we're writing it as a manga, because because I love that idea of it, and it's it's got all your shonen like beats to it. So it's a kid leaving middle school, and his whole dream is to go play for the high school team to make mm. it. 
but the high school team is in ruin. Like there's only one varsity guy and he has to like recruit for the team because they don't have enough people for the season. And this kid doesn't have the talent to do it, but he's a great strategist. So he's working with the coach who's like a former like player who busted his knee and now he's real bitter about the game, but he needs the coach <laughs> to make money. So it's got all your shown Isn't beats, that I'm like, not and you just described every yeah. <laughs> well that was my pitch. I was just like, yeah. we're not gonna do anything crazy, but we're gonna do it really fun. And they're like, All right, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bro, but like, well, that's that's what I love most about like uh, a lot of anime and stuff. And matter of fact, let's just stick to shonen itself because the concept of them, um, most of the shonen are the same. It's just the way and they tell their story. The story itself is what's different. It's like with the overall concept, it's a lot exactly the same. And they a lot of people make jokes. Oh well, this is just a new age um, fairy tale, or this is just a new age. This well, it's true. It is. And it works. It just it's, yeah, it's for a different generation. It makes us feel good. Like, yes, it's the same story, same struggles, but we're seeing it in a new light in a different way. And to bring this back to actually a few of your um comics, I want to talk about Lock not yeah, Lock Joe and the Press uh Pistol Real Campfire Tales One because this is one of the first comics I've seen that had maybe three words in it, yeah. but it's, it was so much detail in the art and the way that it was shown that you understood the story completely without anything actually being said in the story. And I feel like that was, again, it was phenomenal. Thank you. Yeah, no one's ever... So I love that story because that kid, Boyo, is supposed to be like his... Like You don't even get his name in it, but his name is Boyo. And he's an issue too of Lockjaw, but uh, so that's gonna be his Robin, and he's mute. So mm -hmm. like when me and my dad communicate, it's a lot of sounds. It's like epa, and then Ooh. I'll point, or go <laughs> mijo, and just like point at something, or like snap. Like there's Mexicans, we make sounds, and then we're just like, oh, like if I see someone I know, I go hey, and that's that's it. Like I don't have to say hi, it's just hey, and that's it. That's we got it. <laughs> so for this kid, I was kind of doing that like. The kid doesn't need to talk because there's no he's talking to himself. I was like, he's with Chupacabra, so like they they don't care what language he's speaking. <laughs> no. I wanted I wanted to do that silent thing and I wanted to do it as like a challenge to myself. Like I don't want to get too wordy because the first draft of Lockjaw didn't have narration in it mm. at all. And then I gave it to a couple of people. They're like, that's cool, but I don't know who he is until like seven pages in. So they're like maybe put something at the top that kind of explains it to the reader and then just let you can drop it. So that's why it has that structure in the beginning. Mm -hmm. So for Boyo, I was like, Oh, like you said, you don't have to hear him talk to know what's going on. It's just here he is. And then puppy's missing. And he, like the adventure begins kind of a thing. But yeah, Boyo is one of those characters that when he jumps in, I have to kind of slow him down so he doesn't steal the scenes because him and those chupacabras, man. It's it's gonna be <laughs> <laughs> absolutely like yeah. So, what has been the best and I wouldn't say the worst, but the hardest moment when you started creating when you started creating the books or when you started when you started your own comic book company? Because you have your own little you have your own company, right? Yeah, 
Yeah, so Avina Comics is it's me as like the writer creator. And I think when I go to conventions and stuff, people think I'm just like a salesman for it because mm. I have like there's four Lockjaw books out right now. Because we have Lockjaw One, Campfire Tales One and Two, yep. and then we have uh, the double feature. The double feature. So so we have those four books out, and then on the other side of me is like Lucha Forever, Cinema Muerte, and The Last Baletero. So it looks like it's like a team of people working on it, yeah. but it's like it it's me. Like it, I'm just me, my wife, and my son at all these conventions. So I get to talk to people, and then when they realize like, oh, you're you're doing it all, that's awesome. And then the conversation kind of begins. So that's really the best part is like when that person comes up to my table. And just recently, I was in Ohio for a convention, and like my not my target audience, but like most of the people are Mexican. That like they'll see the name and go, oh, paletero or pistolero, that's cool. And then they'll flip through it, and then I talk to them, and then usually they'll like at least check it out or and we'll buy it and stuff. But over there, like it was a lot of white people because yeah. it was Ohio, and then just me. <laughs> so I was just like, all right, well, and it was an anime convention. I didn't really know that going in. Like I thought it was like animation and comics and all that stuff, but it was mm -hmm. like an anime thing. And I was like, I don't have anything anime. I was like, so we'll just figure it out as we go. But like people, I think people <laughs> are just looking for something different. And my books are different. They're they're a little weird. They're a little silly sometimes. Like Cinema Muerte has a lot of jokes in it. And there's D and D references and stuff. But uh, getting those people when they stop and they talk to me and I see them excited about it and then they ask me to sign it, I was like, oh, like that's cool that they actually they're not just picking it up because they feel sorry for me. They want me to sign it because they're like, you know, if this turns into something, I want to like. I was here to support you. I was like, oh, that feels good. Like that people care. And it's not like just my fan friends or family at this point. Like there's other people out there with my book. And that's, that's a great feeling. The hardest is I've given it to like comic pros and mm -hmm. I've submitted it to, cause I didn't want to self publish at first. I was hoping to get it picked up like immediate rejection. Like I submitted it and then right away, uh, I think it was, I can name it. Like, they're not buying it. So it was Aftershock Comics. Okay. They're, yeah. They were just like, hey, this looks cool. We like the art. We don't know about the story. And I think it's because it's a mariachi singer that fights yeah. monsters. But that's what it is on like the surface level of it. But really the story is like if you notice in the first issue, Jimena comes in and ruins the life of three people. Yeah. At the end of it, Lockjaw shows up to that camp and there's three guys there. That's a group. And he breaks them apart. So he's kind of becoming to the monsters what Jimena is to him. Mm. So I'm kind of playing with some of that dynamic here of like, the, this isn't the guy that like, he's not Hellboy. He's not going to kick open a door and like jam his way through stuff. He's got to figure this out. And what does that mean? Like his gun didn't have bullets. It had sage rounds. Mm -hmm. As he's not going to shoot a person, he's going to make sure he's fighting a monster. Yeah, uh, there, there's a story there, but on the surface, I'm not going to tell that to like some guy looking at it. I'm going to be like, that string has silver guitars because silver hurts werewolves, and yeah. there are werewolves <laughs> in this story. Like, <laughs> yeah. I got to get them into it. So there's there's stuff like that. But when you're submitting, it's they want like two paragraphs uh, to summarize your story, and then like a like a sample page or two, and that's mm -hmm. really all I got. And I was like, I don't know if it was my pitch. I don't know if it was the story itself, but like the immediate rejection for that. Uh, I sent out Cinema Muerte like right after that too. 
and that fell flat. Like that one, I think it's because they didn't really know what to think of it because it's like a horror comedy. Yeah. So I think people saw it and they were just like, what's your market? And I was like, anyone that likes like Scream, bro. (laughs) If you've seen Evil Dead or Clerks or Mallrats, like this this is the book. Like, yeah. But I, that's why I decided ultimately to self-publish it because like there was a moment where I got those rejections back and I was like, well, this is this is it. Like no one's going to buy it. No, I don't know what to do with it. But a writer friend of mine said like, well, just release it yourself. He's like, just sell it. He's like, what's the worst that could happen is someone picks it up and now you have like one person that likes it. He's like, so just do it. So I, I, I did that. I bought like a couple of them and we sold out of the first run of lockjaw which was awesome i was like okay like this is this feels good like even now i'm just writing them and like i'll still submit stuff but now i'm writing it and i'm like okay if they don't pick it up like this is how i'm going to market it this is what i'm gonna do with it and it's now i'm writing for me and like putting it out there and people are responding to it Mm -hmm. slowly building that fan base but it's scary when you're like a team of one doing it because it all every like failure is like 10 times harder because I have no one to share it with. And then like the sets, <laughs> I like text my artists. I'm like, hey guys, like someone picked it up and like medicine they said this, or like uh, Marcus, the one that did Cinema Muerte, mm-hmm. he done like he's doing a lockjaw short right now. And it's lockjaw and I can announce it, it's cool. It's lockjaw and it's his uh, mentor Van Helsing. Van and they're going out to kill Christopher Columbus. Oh yeah. Nice. Nice. Because, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, the whole thing is like Columbus didn't die. The reason why he set out to the new world was to find like a key to immortality. Mm. And basically, uh, so in Lockjaw, like uh, Jimena wears that necklace uh-huh. and souls are gold to be bargained with. Right. So that's what Columbus did. He conquered these new places to create the magic to perpetuate his life. And now he's just an asshole. So it's like, well, I mean, he always is. <laughs> magic to go with it. Yeah. And, and so it's him and it's uh, Van Helsing. And it's like this, it's called Kill Columbus. Like, uh, Lock John Van Helsing, let's kill Christopher Columbus. Yeah. That's, that's perfect. I'm not going to lie. That is perfect. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm definitely going to get that one. Yeah. Especially the way the story's been told so far. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> There's a guy in there that you're gonna like. His name is uh, Cochillos, which means like knives. Knives, yeah. Picture like Danny Trejo, but yeah. <laughs> this guy's whole bit is that he can't be killed. Like he he just he thinks he's immortal, and you'll find out why and stuff as the story goes. But it's just like the arrogance of it is like every one of like the machismo thing of like my uncles. I wrote it <laughs> like oh my one uncle. <laughs> Still thinks like he's the fastest runner in the family, even though I can hear his knees click. I was like, that's in here. Especially when you get about six beers in. Okay, nobody oh. beat me. <laughs> I got a... So I play Dungeons and Dragons with my cousins, but we I run a Star Wars campaign. Okay. And like some of my uncles found out about it and they were just like, well, like I, I can do that and I'll be like the best player. I was like, well, there's not really a best or worst player. Like you're just playing the game. They're like, no, no, no. Like I'd go in there and I'd just like run through your guys. I'm like, Theo, that's not how this works. Like, <laughs> 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 
So are you saying are you saying that you are a DM? Because we I have am. been looking. <laughs> we have been looking for a great DM. Um, <laughs> we've been studying. So we have our group. Of course, we have the VCS podcast. We've been trying to figure out how to get some games started because we are working on doing some streams and things and having a dungeon and dragon run has been on our to-do list and one of the things that we would love to actually happen and get done um we might need to set something up maybe set up a (laughs) one chat and see how it goes from there wait that would be wait what'd you say a one chat one shot. Oh, one shot. Okay. Yeah, I, know the I was like, I was like what app is that now, you man? Said. Like, <laughs> I was like, what? I was like, oh. no, but yeah, so we have always been wanting to get into Dungeons and Dragons. It's it's always kind of been a guilty pleasure of us. So we, we bought the the uh, the board game, you know, okay. uh, and what's it called? Uh, and from there, we would play that one, the, the tabletop board game. And I want to say last year, uh we also do we we have a page on facebook it's called uh geekcon illinois and we try and post all the conventions that are coming out in, in the illinois area so from there uh one of the one of the people from the convention reached out they're like hey you know i got a convention it's uh it's very geeky he's like uh think dungeons and dragons that's what it is that's all that's all it is and we're like oh cool you know uh, do you want to jump on the on the podcast? So he jumped on, and he was just amazing. But over there, they play uh, Pathfinder and Starfinder. And Starfinder, yeah. So uh, what's it called? And from there, we've been going. We went to the convention. Uh, uh, what's it called? We 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 got to learn how to play uh, Pathfinder. I still I know how to play, but I cannot be the person to be to, to to explain to somebody else like hey this is what you do right <laughs> so like we've gone to a few a few of their uh their gaming sessions and stuff so it, it like from there we're like bro pathfinder is amazing we still gotta try dungeons and dragons because we yeah. haven't tried dungeons and dragons but from there we're like all right so we got the we got the the actual organizer he's for him to uh uh agree to be the uh, at least a dungeon master for a pathfinder run so we are still looking for a few more players for Pathfinder. Uh, so once we get that all set up, we'll start. We'll start doing a small, small mini campaign as well, and just because we want to branch out, right? Because I, I want to say, back in the day, right? Like if it wasn't Dragon Ball, like you mentioned it before, Dragon Ball Z. Uh, if it wasn't uh, Los Caballeros Zodiaco or Saint Seiya, for those people that. That may not know what that is. If it wasn't Los Super Campeones, which was uh, Captain Toshiba, um, like it was like, oh, it wasn't really heard of, right? Like yeah. even comics-wise, uh, people like, especially, I would say the Latino community wasn't big on comics. Um, uh, what's it called? And I don't know why, but yeah, they weren't. We like they weren't just big on comics, so I didn't start enjoying this kind of stuff until i was in high school but when i was in high school you know it wasn't cool back in the day to like that kind of stuff so you would not say you like that kind of stuff uh and then now when we got older i started the podcast and from there i started finding out that a lot of these people that were like like the cool people i guess you could say which were just like you know stuff like that like yeah. they're huge nerds it's just <laughs> they never got to 
they never got to say like, hey, I like this kind of stuff. So from there, they had to hide it and they went the opposite route, I guess, in life. But from there, like they're like, hey, dude, like I like this, I like that. And I'm like, oh shoot, I'm like, I didn't, I would have never guessed, right? But yeah. uh, the, you know, like times times have changed. Comic books have gone super popular. Anime has gone super popular. Who doesn't watch anime at this point? Um, you know, like Marvel movies, DC movies, have, as they're coming up, they're kind of elevating comic books with them. I, I, yeah. At least that's that's how I see it, right? And uh, so for all those people that are getting into it, and especially young younger people like my child right here, um, if somebody wants to, uh, if they have an idea, right? They're like, you know what? I want to create this book. Um, what would be your advice for them to be like, you know what? Uh, to create your book and because it is scary. It's scary to write a book yeah. and then not, for example, not everybody knows how to draw. Not everybody yeah. knows, you know, the rules of comics because uh, apparently there's rules in, in creating a comic book. There's rules in storytelling, right? Uh, and then even in that, the narration of a, of a comic, it also, you have to know how to do that. But if you have no experience whatsoever, all you have is just an idea and a passion for it. Like, what would you recommend for them to do? So when you first start, and this is like something that uh, I listen to like a lot of audiobooks and like Stephen King is like my favorite like author author. Mm-hmm. So in, uh, in one of his books on writing, he said like everyone's just imitating somebody else. There's an I'm a huge Simpsons guy. There's an episode of The Simpsons where Homer wants to be an inventor and he's got like the Thomas Edison and then it's Homer and it's like he invented this much. I've only invented this. <laughs> so it's OK to be that for like when you're starting write like the author that you love because as you're doing that you're going to find your voice in it and then once you find your voice it's going to make everything easier so the first step is find your voice find the story that you want to tell and then figure out how you want to tell it so like i'll do uh lockjaw so i wanted to tell the story of i did i wanted to tell like the opposite of a revenge story because Lockjaw on the surface looks like it's a revenge tale. But like mm-hmm. I said earlier, it's a story about a guy figuring out like, well, what am I now that I can't be the person I want? I wanted to be a Madachi. Like I wanted to be a singer. And now that I can't, well, what am I? And that's what this is going to be. But with like guitars and monsters and shit blowing up. So find what your what the story is that you want to tell. Like what's the question you're asking yourself? And then what's the shell you want to put it in to tell it? Mm-hmm. And then don't worry about the art because don't approach an artist until you know your story inside and out. Because the moment you bring another person to the table, they're going to start to pick it apart. So for Lockjaw, I've been sitting on Lockjaw for like five, six years before I even gave it to anybody. But I know everything about him essentially. Like he still surprises me when I'm writing it because I'm like, okay, and then like, Gustavo walks into the bar or whatever. I was like, he approaches the counter, asks for a drink. The bartender looks at him, stares him down. He remembers he's in Texas. The Alamo happened three years ago. Mm. And then like from there, how am I getting out of Dodge? And then I start figuring out, but I let the character tell me, what are we doing? And then you follow. But I can do that because I, I know him. So get to know your character, spend time with them. Because even if they're a villain, 
you gotta know what their motivation is. Like no villain works if they're just like, like Barris is bored, so he's blowing up planets. There right. is no time she's blowing stuff up. So his biggest problem is that he's bored. Yeah. Yeah. So stuff like that, like figure out who all of your characters are. Cause if you don't know them, don't write them. Cause then it's gonna that's when characters get flat. Like even when you watch like the original Mario movie, that director didn't know who these guys were. He's like, they're brothers, something about lizards and fungus. And that's <laughs> it. But like if you look at the new one, they're like, okay, it's campy, it's fun, they're jumping pipes. We're not asking questions on how this works. This is their world. I'm just showing it to you. When you understand your your world and your characters, it's all going to trickle in. So first step, find your voice. Second step, find your character, like find who they are, and then take it to an artist. Artists want to draw like you, if they want to create, if they could write, they're going to they're going to go off and write and create their own stuff. But the ones that are willing to collaborate, they want to be a part of something and they're going to bring ideas into it and they're going to see something that maybe you miss like lockjaw having the skeleton the head on his thing that wasn't my idea that was the artist because he was like well what if he's kind of like branded with the asset gods thing and mm -hmm. he just realized that the whole time i'm like yeah let that that fits into it so let that like don't be afraid to collaborate mm -hmm. because the worst thing that can happen is that it doesn't you don't make it and that's fine. You still have that to enjoy with yourself, but you want to try it at least. So getting to step three is the hardest because that's giving it to the artists and letting them like trusting them with your baby to put it together. Yeah. And that's usually the hardest part. Uh, uh, I, I mean, that goes with, with everything, right? Uh, yeah. For me, whenever I work on, uh, I'm working on a uh, integration not, I don't do the coding, but I work on the integration <laughs> and the planning, and then I gotta hand it over to, you know, the everybody else that's gonna do their job. I don't know what it's gonna come out until it comes out right. There's no like, I mean, there's there's sprint reviews and stuff like that, but honestly, it's just like all I gotta do is just cross my fingers and hope they didn't mess it up and. Yeah, like I did my job. Look, I did my this is Overwatch all over again. It's look, I did my role. I can't help the team no more than what I'm doing right here. If I had a tank that was gonna be a tank, then we might have been able to do what we need to do, but I did my role and that's all I can do. Mercy can only heal so much before it's your own fault, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which by the way, like we have my kid playing as Mercy. She is amazing as Mercy, so from there it's like all right. We only got to worry about one healer and the tank because I'd rather be the, either the healer or the DPS. So Ernest, Ernest usually just picks the DPS because he's like, you know, we, let's not it's trust a, anybody else. Role. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm all around her, but I do. I'm like, DPS is the most fun role. Yeah, it is the most fun one. But, uh, and so, like you said earlier, like, uh, you know, being in a team of one is scary. So, uh, like, me and Ernest understand that 100%. <laughs> so we the, we actually met in a IT boot camp in Chicago. It's called IC Stars, um, and like uh, when we when we went there, it's that we were told like, hey, we're, everybody's gonna get separated into groups of five, and from there you're gonna work with a client. So we at least I didn't know any coding at all, right? And it's like, all right, you're gonna go to the client. They're gonna tell you what they want, and from there. You're gonna create it for them, 
I'm like, cool. So we went, we were working with, uh, is it safe to say now? Yeah. Yeah. Because we did sign NDAs, but I, I feel like, <laughs> yeah, that's just, that's, it's been years. So I was, um, yeah, that was about five years ago. Yeah, five you're, years ago. You're good. You're good. So we, uh, we worked with CIBC, uh, the bank, and they wanted to have, they wanted to start a, uh, or they wanted a game for financial literacy for like teenagers and pre-teens. pre-teens. Yeah. Preferably preteens, but going at teenagers was like 12, 13, and then about that's about it, right? Yeah. So um from there they're like, we want you guys to create a game. We didn't know anything about coding, and we were a team of five, right? Of On the first day, somebody dropped out. After that, somebody got kicked out. After that, somebody else got kicked out. So then it was just us two. So it was us two. We we had to learn. A whole a, a computer language. We had to learn Python. We had <laughs> to figure day. out how to make a game because they didn't tell you. They're just like, "Well, how do you make a game?" Like, there's Google. <laughs> that's, that's it. That's what that's we it. learned the phrase Google, Google it. And yeah. we're like, okay. So from there, we we actually created, uh, and you know, it was a competition. Whoever's game was the one that that went out there. You know, that's the game that kind of won it, and that's the game that they were going to kind of make. So. Fortunately for us, we were the team that got chosen in the end. So we did win our concept one. And from there, once again, we don't know what happened to it. It was our baby. We don't know what happened. Uh, so technically, you don't know what happened to it. <laughs> right. So, so um, I did actually work and help get it. Um, they actually hired me on to help draft it through like the MVP POC phase where we got a working example of it. Um, it needed to be refined more, but we did. So after, after oh, I'm sure it needs to be refined a, a lot. Well, yeah. So the code we did was completely smoke and mirrors, and it was like it made it look good and it worked in our demo. Or, or, but it wasn't a functional game that can actually be played by any means. So, so um, to tell you like this, John. So there was no <laughs> we're going to code the whole game, right? It was mm-hmm. impossible to code in four weeks, and as a Beginner that knows no knows no Python to create a game, it's impossible. So we talked to our mentors from CIBC. They're like, look, it's just the concept. It doesn't have to be a full functioning game. And everybody else was kind of like, no, it has to be game. It has to be game. So our team, like, well, our team was just me and Ernest. Yeah. Was just- <laughs> we were like, you know what? Let's, let's write the script for it to say on the first roll. It's gonna be this number, and you're gonna go to this box, and then this is gonna appear on your second roll. You're gonna go, it's gonna be this number, and you're gonna go to this box. And on the and we only did up to number up to the third one, and that's it. That's it. So we don't need we, no more. <laughs> when we demoed it, we got to the first box. We stopped at the second. From there, we're like, we, we were gonna go to the third, but we're like, you know what? Let's wait. Because in case if they're like, oh well. Are you like, um, you know, like, let's see it one more time, you know, like, all right, cool. We got one more time we could show you. <laughs> so from there, like Ernest, uh, Ern- Ernest got hired on to be the ambassador for the game. Yeah. Um, um, what would they call it? So it was a technical advisor. Technical advisor. Um, yeah, I, got, I was a technical advisor to get the first iteration of the game out. But after that, we handed it off and it was we handed off our baby. I will yeah. say we technically have a full live game out there 
um i think it's on the play store or it's on their website that our names are attached to and it will forever be our concept that's our baby that's aw- that's incredible that yeah I, i'm not gonna lie to you i haven't played it i i, I, <laughs> I lost it Since i was like i don't it. know what happened to yeah. it i mean <laughs> Well, I mean, it's kind of good because, like, it's out there and you know the version of it that you created. Right. So that's the last that you saw of it. But because if you go in now and they, they totally changed it or they Most changed it, yeah. And, and then you're going to go and, like, them, yeah. oh, I wouldn't have done that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm expecting yeah. them to change the whole thing, like everything, top to bottom. Right. I think the only thing they're going to keep is the little mascot that we made. <laughs> like, they just fell in love with the little mascot. And, I, and Till to till this day, he was one hundred percent your idea. You can say it. No, no, it was so. It was not. It was a. There was a puppet, right? We were at the <laughs> studio. It was late at night. You, and I'm sure you've had these, John, where it's late at night. You're so tired. We yeah, were there dude. from eight in the morning till eight o'clock at night. Sometimes a little bit prior. And what's it called? Uh, like you get the little delirious, delirious. So like I grabbed the <laughs> you puppet. Tired. You were been working hard. You've been coding. <laughs> and. Uh, what's it called? For some reason, I don't know why. It was a pig. Because you're a dad. He, it, he yeah. started telling dad jokes with this sock puppet on his hand. It was not a sock just, puppet. It's, it's was just a, me. It, was it a, wasn't a actual puppet. little plush. It was a <laughs> puppet. But it was just me and him in a room, and we were trying to get some work done. And it was one of those moments where we were stuck. We was getting frustrated. And he just picks up this puppet, and he starts just telling dad jokes with this. And it... It was the type of dad jokes that jokes. are so stupid that they're funny. It was just like, are you? I could, I could not. I live not for laugh that. Like that's like people will be like, oh, Johnny's always got like a joke in his pocket, kind of a thing. Mm. And it's just dad jokes or like on the fly puns that I can make. Yeah. Like, that's all I got now. And then like, I, was, I feel bad for my son because the moment he can understand it, he's gonna be like, dude, shut up. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of overlap here. So, like, my first project when I was in film school, they put you in a group, and it's, like, big groups. And mm-hmm. um, I knew I wanted to go for, like, directing or screenwriting, but when they put you in these groups, you're not allowed to pick a role. It's, like, everyone has to carry all the weight. Mm-hmm. So we're there, and they're, like, we need to make a web series as a class. Every episode is going to be made by a different team. But, like, the overall concept has to be agreed on by, like, 30 people. And this is, like, the first week of school. So everyone's still pretending to be nice to each other, mm. but it's old school, so everyone's also kind of a dick. Like, yeah, like I, I like Quentin Tarantino, but he's not like on my like wall of directors. He's not on my yeah. mom or like your mom. I like, yeah, but he's not there, which will like get me crucified in like a film school. But <laughs> everyone was pitching that idea, like this higher concept or like ju- it was just like a way to pitch swearing in class. And I was like, all right, so they want like foul language and like I'm I tell dad jokes like my whole life. So I made I pitched the idea of puppets and I was like, we're going to do a web series with puppets. And they're like, well, what is it? And I was like, I don't know. I was like, we're going to redo the Godfather scene where he's sitting there petting the cat, but it's going to be a human person. And the Godfather is a puppet. And I was like, and maybe it's in a film studio because we had a studio in the school. And all the crew are puppets, except for the one guy who's responsible for telling the news because there was like a news corner. And then uh, the one person that's like the extra that's running around. I was like, everyone else is a puppet. (laughs) And we called it Stuff It, which my buddy Jay came up with the name. But like, because 
they're like, all right, group one, what do you got? And none of us were really talking to each other. It was just like, what movie do you like? Kind of stuff. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to go. Like, we'll just fucking do it. So I threw it out there and they're like, yeah. But they're like, how are we going to make puppets? And then this guy, Tim, who's like still one of my good friends, he's like a prop master guy. And he's like, my dad builds props. Like, I can, I can make puppets. And I was like, how soon can you make it? He was like, this weekend. I was like, fuck yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you guys a link. It's still on YouTube somewhere. But the first episode was the idea that we pitched. Because as soon as I said puppets and, like, they're terrible puppets. Like, they're terrible people. They're, everyone started spitballing ideas, and then it got bigger. <laughs> but it was, like, it was scary because I was like, all right, well, now I'm de- like I'm defensive of these puppets. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so. That's oh, exactly yeah. how it went with us as well. I mean, down to the T, because our it, it, even our groups, it was like nobody, everybody's pretending to be nice. Nobody's really trying to take over, and it's like, oh no, you can do this or you can do this, and it's like I was just quiet. I was were, a quiet person, kept to myself. One of the reasons why Miguel and I click so well is just how opposites we are. Because even though we're both very strong-minded, strong-willed, and very smart and driven individuals he is quiet and shy and i am outspoken so in your in your same senses oh they ask our group what's going on i look at miguel he looks at me neither one of us wants to talk but i'm i just jump up and come out with the first idea in my head and he's gonna ride with it every time he's like yeah okay that sounds like it works <laughs> and in cinema, go get it done <laughs> in cinema muerte uh you know how it's like me chris and emily or John, Chris, and Emily. John, my wife's name is Emily, and my best friend's name is Chris. So that was a script that I wrote that we were supposed to make together after I graduated, but like no funds, nothing like that, or whatever. So it just sat there. But the dialogue between John and Chris is all taken from real life conversations of us arguing, and it's it, it's it's you two guys too, like where you can hear you like, well, he doesn't do this, and he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. every time because we first met i was working at barnes and noble and chris came in to buy uh spectacular spider-man the like box set Mm -hmm. and i was like oh that's a cool cartoon i was like we have the 90s series on dvd and then it led to a two-hour debate in the middle of my shift about why i like the 90s show and he likes spectacular spider-man and then for some reason i was like all right here's my like number we got to argue over beers next time. And we've been for like 15 years now. And he's like an act, like he has a podcast. Uh, he's such a big evil dead fan that he just bothers like Bruce Campbell on Twitter every day. But he just uh, interviewed the director for the last evil dead movie. Mm, oh, okay. that is that with his, so I'm like, like I, it, he lives in California now. So it's kind of sad. And you're leaving your friend too. So I was like, <laughs> you guys can still create stuff together. Oh, we will. <laughs> the model, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, right now, I think the, the next thing we got working on is uh, we're going to try and create a, We're not trying. We're going to create go. because he gets mad when I say try. We're going there to create. There is no try. There is only do a, or do not. Do or do not. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to create a text-based game for the okay. convent, for the, the same convention that we that I talked about earlier. Where it's like Pathfinder and Starfinder and Dungeons and Dragons and it's all it's like board games and stuff, and um, so like we're going to try and create a, a we're going to create a video game for that convention to show it at the convention, which will it'll just be for the convention, and if it 
if it rises from there, then cool, we'll just keep working on it. But it, it's been something we've been wanting to do. We've been we're like, oh, you know what? It'd be cool to start making games and uh, especially yeah. like games that we play, right? Because and this goes back to a joke where when we met, we were we were all playing Oregon Trail. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, yeah, like so we we when we, we when we all met each other for some reason somebody brought up Oregon Trail, and from there like bro, I haven't played that in the game in forever. We started playing it. And from there, it's just like we literally it just, spent the afternoon just yeah. We spent a whole Oregon we Trail. spent days playing on the trail. How many times do you guys die of dysentery? And, and almost. <laughs> all, I I have never made it in Oregon Trail. Never <laughs> Me made either, it actually. <laughs> but I've seen people that have because I had to look it up. Have people complete Oregon? Trail, and it, it is possible. I just have never done it. <laughs> Target had a handheld version of it because my wife loves that game. So I bought it for her, and now it's like under our bed because she's like, I can't play it anymore. Like this game is harder than it needs to be. Like those old Disney games. It's so hard for no reason. Yeah, like you don't want. There's no way. I guess that's kind of the point. Like you'll never make it or something. But like, (laughs) damn, dude, like give me a shot. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, oh my god, it's it's crazy how the turnaround happens. One minute you feel like everybody's doing good, you just fix the wheels on your wagon. Next thing oh, you know, yeah. dysentery, dysentery, dysentery. Up, oh, your whole cargo is dead. Bro, dysentery. <laughs> you, you, you know, like I, I showed my kid the game, and she named it after me, uh, my girlfriend, like her, like my oh, brothers, yeah. and all that, right? <laughs> and she's like, I come out from the shower. She's like, guess what happened? I'm like, what? You died from diarrhea. I'm like, what the <laughs> hell? Like, out of like, <laughs> could it have been anything else? She's like, no, you you died of diarrhea. I was like, oh, great, thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I remember being a little kid and not knowing what like dysentery was. So yeah. I like, yeah, I finally like went to like the dictionary to like look it up, and then I found it and I was like, oh no, like it's <laughs> a terrible way to go. <laughs> I was like, let the snake bite me. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so uh, for you, uh, John, if if in in you know like you ever got approached with like, Hey, you know, let's turn this into either a series. Let's turn this into a movie. Let's turn this into an, an, an animation, like a cartoon, which book would you, pref- which book would be the one that you're like, you know what, this one. And if you do, which genre would you want it to go into? So if I only got to make one into a movie, that's a real good question. Like, I I think it would be Lockjaw and Pistoletto. Mm, okay. And I think, because arc one ends in a way that if I can't do Lockjaw anymore for whatever reason, people won't be mad at me. Like, no one's going to be like, like, dude, what the hell? Like, four issues and we're out? Like, n- that's not good. It ends in a way where it's a successful story that I told about this man and who it is. But when I submit stuff to artists... I take headshots of actors that I like and I cast every role. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So, so that was going to be my next question. Who would you <laughs> cast for those roles? But it looks like you yeah. already thought about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, uh, Lockjaw was uh, Diego Luna. Okay. Yeah. So, that he's uh, the original model for him was that. Um, and then for Jimena, originally it was Ana de Armas because mm. the. Dr- that she wears is based off the James Bond dress that she wears. Okay. 
but I was watching Baby Driver, and I just, I know her last her last name is Gonzalez. I just I don't remember her first name, but she plays John Hamm's girlfriend in that movie. Okay. And yeah, uh, let me see if I can I Google it. <laughs> yeah, but uh, she would be the one I would pick for Jimena now. Okay. Uh, Pretty sure it was baby uh, her baby name Zebra, is Asa, Asa Gonzalez. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. And then there's characters that come up like later on in the series that I have like casted out. But for the director, there's a director who did a movie called The Tigers Are Not Afraid. Have you guys seen that one at all? I actually have not seen it, but it's I will really good. It real quick. Yeah, um, so her name is Isa Lopez, and that one was, like, just this horror movie that came out of nowhere, and it's, like, it's, like, it, kind of, like, it's a group of friends, but, like, it's set in Mexico, there's, like, a cartel element to it, like, it's such a gritty, dark movie that I want to see her, like, I think she could handle Lockjaw stuff, because she would treat, a, you have to treat it like a Western, mm-hmm. and then the other elements fit into the like logan yeah I logan's a western first and foremost yeah but it, then the superhero stuff kind of fills in it needs to feel like that so like if james mangold was into it i'd feel, be super into it but that kind of feel to it yeah i, I see you were one step ahead of me in, in this, in this second question. <laughs> he has thought about this well <laughs> oh yeah Since i spend a lot of my time when i should be writing pacing acceptance speeches for awards I'm not nominated for. <laughs> that <laughs> bottle. So I got that case thing behind me. It's the Guillermo del Toro uh, Patron oh, thing. Yeah. Made. So I bought it when my son was born. My mom and my uncles got together and they put money for it. And they're like, like, drink it when you have something to celebrate. So we cracked it open the day my son was born. And then I, I haven't drank it since because I was like, when something comes from this, like once... I felt like I've done something with a comic, then I can pop it open again. So one day when some of this becomes a movie or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, so then my question would be, since we've thought about a lot of this so well, is what is one thing you want readers to take away after they read any of your books? The biggest thing is for if you're coming at it and you're a creator. I want you to feel like it doesn't matter that you're creating something that are like in a genre because Lucha Forever is like a superhero tale, essentially, because he flies, he does stuff, but it doesn't feel like that. It's the story about this guy and his one goal of wanting to be an actor and the what happens if you fail at something creative and people depend on you. That kind of a thing, like. I want people to take away like he promised me a fun adventure, but he gave me like this really deeper meaning into all of these. Like in each one of them in Cinema Muerte, it's a story about a group of friends. But when your friend group stays stagnant for too long and people start branching out and you feel like that kind of loss, what does that mean for you and how do you keep that bubble together? That's ultimately what that's going to be about. Lucha Forever, Parenting. Lockjaw is just self-identity and how you're going to build it out. So, like, there's there's meat to these stories that's not just, like, 
the candy coating that I'm giving you. <laughs> but I want people to feel I want people to see like I came into it because he promised me a mariachi and a horse. <laughs> <laughs> and I came away in love with this mute kid in this relationship that they have. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> I absolutely <laughs> love it. And I gotta say that's that is amazing writing. So from the books we've read, we could say it is amazing job on the writing. Thank you. Uh, we we give you so much props now. Um, we'll be honest. There's uh we we try and be nice to all indie indie writers. Yeah, but there's I mean, some we're books be real at the same time. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> it, it, I think there has to be a time where we're like, hey, you know what? Let's be realistic, right? Uh, I went I, I went to a convention and I I was given this book. Um, it was set in like the 1800s or something. I'm reading it and I was like, I don't care for this book, right? And the guy's so happy looking at me and I was like, oh, I like the illustrations, you know? Yeah. And he's like, oh, thank you, you know? He's like, yeah, like I'm trying to sell some, like I haven't sold that many. So I was like, cool, I bought a book just because I still do like to support. I still have the book. Yeah. Uh, but I wouldn't recommend the book to anybody because I just... I I I I like to recommend stuff that I enjoy, right? And stuff that I'm like, you know what, I, I truly enjoy this. Um, I I I could actually tell you like, hey, I recommend this, and when it, when I do recommend something, I I do win the hopes of people will be like, you know what, Miguel doesn't just recommend just anything. So I will say I definitely recommend all the books that you have that you have put out there. I bought one a copy of every single one already. Uh, yeah. So what's it called? And amazing work. You know, like Ernest loved them. My kid loved them. And she <laughs> she really loved them. And at the same time, like, you know, like I, I told my brothers about them. My brothers are not huge uh, comic book people, but they do like luchadores. And they do like, for example, El Mariachi, this Desperado. So yeah. I'm like, you know what? Think of that in Supernatural, you know? And what's yeah. so from there, they're like, okay, well, I'll give it a read. So like, <laughs> I, I am going to show it to them too. And I'm hoping that it'll turn them into like, hey, you know what? Let me get more into comics, yeah. you know? Because I think it's a beautiful art form that I think there's just a lot of uh, people that think, oh, you know, like uh, comic books comics is just superheroes. Yeah. yeah. They're for kids. It's just superheroes. It's just you know, like bad writing and it's not, it's, yeah. it is amazing writing. And there's a lot of talented people like yourself that are involved in these books. So, you know, yeah. I, I, I just wanted to give you props for that. Now, uh, Mr. Mr. Man spider usually likes to have the last few questions. I don't know how many he still has. <laughs> no, I'm going to be nice. Cause you have done an amazing job and I feel like, you spoke so well to the stories and everything else. Um, I don't know and how else to close it. Besides, you've already gave us what you want your readers to, to yeah. see, what you think your movie list. Well, not even think who you want your movie cast to be. Like, so I'll say this: Ernest has questions already, like where he writes them down. Like these are the questions I'm going to ask. And I, I already knew that this is the problem he's having because as you're talking, I was like, he answered this one. He answered this <laughs> He answered this one. I'm like, oh, this is going to be interesting now. <laughs> so I will, uh, I will say for, like you mentioned, like 
there are a lot of indie comics out there you mentioned like someone gave you one that you didn't really care for right i usually gauge people too so like when they come to my table i'm not putting lucha forever into the hands of the guy that like is looking at lockjaw mm -hmm. if that's your thing that's it that's why i try to do different genre stuff so like um we have a uh, story coming out it's called burrow and it's about a um are you, are you guys familiar with like redwall like that book series so Very it's well. like they're like little mice and like forest animals, but they fight with like swords and shields. Oh, okay, it was like, okay, okay. yeah, I read those when I was like a kid in like grammar school. Mm -hmm. But we have a comic that's coming out that's that kind of formula. So it's like a D&D &D story, but with like woodland creatures, because the, I still want to tell my stories. And like I said, you got to figure out the bubble of how you, the shell of how you want to tell it. So we have like that coming out. We have a straight up horror story called Americana. I didn't see these of, stories. Yeah, there's a boy named. Uh, <laughs> I think I'll look at him. Yeah. That's so. Yeah, so the kid's name is Chewy, and it, the cool thing about that thing, the postcard, if you look at the faces, every adult and person in the background of that is smiling. Yeah. Except for the two kids. Yeah. So everyone else is really happy about what's going to happen, and obviously it doesn't look good. So that one is like uh the the dad comes back into the boy's life after being gone for a while and it's like a single parent story and it's just like you can protect your kids when you have them at home but you can't protect them from the world because the world will find them yeah yeah so like there, a lot of them are super mexican in like every way and then in other ones it's like cinema muerte it's the name and it's the monsters in this one it's the relationship dynamic is like the latinness of it but it's in a way where you can, anyone can grab it, read it, and they can find home in it. Mm -hmm. But it's about recommending it to people because now people are sending me their comics, and I'm like, oh, like this looks cool, like it's a superhero thing. What's it about? And they're like, this guy has this power and that power. I'm like, but what's he using it for? And they're like, oh, he has to beat up that guy. I'm like, but why is he beating up that guy? And he's like, oh, because this bad guy's trying to do this. I'm like, you're telling me the plot, but like not who he is and why he is doing what he's doing and i think that's where a lot of indie comics kind of get a bad name it's everyone's got a superhero twist or tale but it's so focused on powers and power structure like there's one guy i saw on tiktok and his big thing was talking about how his like how his heroes could beat up like justice league members or like dragon ball z fighters <laughs> and i was like man if your guy is trying to beat up goku he's the bad guy like that's how i see it. like if your guys got beef with spider-man the your guy's not the guy coming out clean in this fight at all yeah like why are you trying to take out all our heroes like what yeah <laughs> i think that's the funny thing when people get into like the superman goku debate like who would win in a fight uh, i was just like once the fight starts and goku like is in there smiling superman's not gonna hit him he's gonna be like oh this guy's like having a good time and then they're gonna solve whatever and then some weird version of frieza will show up <laughs> and they both have to join forces yeah. to fight Frieza. Right yeah. before Superman and Goku punch each other, Goku's gonna be like Martha, and then the whole thing will. <laughs> oh my god, that was the biggest thing. Why did you say that name? <laughs> that was the biggest thing in that movie, right? Yeah. 
Because I was willing to forgive a lot. I was like, this is just like, it's a visual treat. And then when they put that in there, I was like, don't try to give me something deep right now. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you know what? No. And, and, and it, it sucks because the DC animation movie of it is so, so good. good. Right? Yeah. It's so good. But the live action ones are just, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I guess that's that's for another, another episode. Because yeah. you could talk about that forever (laughs) (laughs) i mean i'm down to do that D &D game if you guys want i can send you over i have like digital copies of like the player's handbook and stuff Uh so i can send it to you guys you guys can read through it text me questions or whatever and then uh whenever you guys want to do a stream i got like apps and stuff we can use so oh nice 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 yeah 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 see because we we were trying and Ernest like look you're creative why don't you try i'm like dude yeah there's a difference between being creative And knowing how to play the game and knowing the rules, I was like, because so the one problem we have is Ernest here loves to Google YouTube, listen to podcasts. Let's just say I do my research. Yeah. The most overpowered character in D&D, period. So he's <laughs> over here thinking like, oh, bro, I found out a way how, how to uh, shoot like endless fireballs. Endless. <laughs> And every single time, what like they'll get like stronger and stronger. I was like, I don't think that's possible. Oh, it is. He sends me this like 50 minute video. I was like, I'm not watching this. I was like, nah. <laughs> He's just sitting the human rail gun. It, it oh man. <laughs> yeah. I uh so what's gonna happen is you're gonna play one game and then you're gonna take over as uh DMing. You're like uh, Miguel, you're gonna want to do that because you're gonna be like <laughs> There's ways. And then when you get the player who's trying to break things or bust things, what you do is you hit them emotionally where it hurts. Because if you give them a stake where it's like, you can cast fireball in this room of uh, goblins, and then you let them do it. And then when they go in and everyone starts looting pockets, one of the pockets has a note that uh, one of the goblins was going to sneak to them. That's like, I'm not a goblin. I'm in makeup. I'm trying to get out of this room. Help me. And now they got to live with the ramifications of you. I, how many of these goblins were actors that got kidnapped that you just killed? After you do that, people will start to scale back their powers a little bit because they're like, John's going to do it again. <laughs> Every time there's an actor in makeup. Yeah. No, that's, D&D gets fun. So you're going to love it. And once you start playing it, you're going to come up with stories to DM. And then that's when it's going to go crazy. See, I that's that's what we should do to Ernest, and, and <laughs> that it it reminds me when like we, when we were in the um when we were doing the game for a while we had a third person, but that third person was doing absolutely nothing, and then afterwards just dropped out too. So when we would go talk to um CIBC, he would be the person that we're gonna create uh this, we're gonna create that, we're gonna create a database. I was like, bro. Do you know how to create a database? No, I don't either. Well, well we're gonna create. We'll we'll find out. I was like, what? So we we went back. We talked to um our mentor, or uh, the program or the program manager, and she she told us, you know what? Let him say whatever he wants and just tell him. Well, so you know you know what? That's a great idea. How about you're in charge of that? And we're like, yeah. okay. So we did it. His face changed completely right completely yeah. to like oh just me we're like well <laughs> we're gonna we're working on the game 
you work on this data on the database. So he spent maybe a week or trying to figure out how to do a database, and he was just losing his mind. But to us, we're like, we told you no, you told them yes. All right, well then go do it. You know, yeah. And yeah, like afterwards, we we told we told the people from the bank. We we emailed them like we're not doing a database. <laughs> we explained to them what we told them what we're doing, and they're like, you know what? Thank you for letting us know. And yeah, we will keep going with the story. So we had even the people in the bank were like, you know what? And when we would meet, like, how's the database going? The guy's like, <laughs> oh my god, you know? They're like, oh, just hang in there. But they already knew. So yeah, like uh, same same theory. Yeah, we'll, we'll apply it to we'll apply it to Ernest here. Oh yeah, you don't have to shut me down because if you don't, <laughs> it can get aggressive. I've done my research. That's good though. At least you're coming to the table knowing, like, I want to exploit these abilities and see what happens because that's yeah. that's fun for you to do because i i've i've been a player on the table too and i'm definitely the guy that like if there's a weird if i if we kill somebody and they got like a weird head on i'm taking it home like that's right my my <laughs> character like uh, we fought like this evil circus thing and the ringleader's hat fell because they're like oh you blast them back the hat goes one way i'm like which way did it go and they're like <laughs> that way so like mid fight, I run, I grab the hat, I pop it on, and then I'm like fighting with the hat. But I always make sure to ask the DM, like, is the hat on? He's like, yes, John. I'm like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and man. that will be me like that. Yes, doing yeah. those crazy weird random things. Like, <laughs> uh, you guys are gonna have fun for sure. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, uh, so we definitely appreciate you uh, have, spending some time with us. To- talking a little bit about your journey a little bit about your comics um and you know like honestly i'm once again great work amazing storytelling uh nothing but raised from us uh and for those for those that are listening they know we don't just say that to anybody and you know for the those new listeners no, we never met John Avignon before, so this is not scripted. It is I am not a paid podcast. Yeah. It is not a paid podcast. If it was a paid podcast, it would bring somebody else instead of me because I stuttered too much. You know, like it would make no sense, right? But uh, but yeah, thank you so much, John. Uh, we wish you nothing but but the best of luck. We're actually looking forward to all the books that are coming up, uh, and especially we could tell from when you're talking about them the passion and already the story itself which is beautiful um so you definitely have that skill of storytelling uh, absolutely and what's it Thank called you. so and it shows right so that that's kind of why like uh we're definitely going to be uh big big uh fans of yours so uh yeah so just letting you know you got three new fans uh for as of now, because there's more people that we are sharing these books with, and once again, like it's it's very nice that it's it's a local person, it's a talented local person that tells stories that a lot of people can relate to. So it is beautiful, and you know, we, we just want to thank you. And real quick, uh, for all those people that want to follow you, want to buy your buy your stuff, um, where could they go? Uh, so avinacomics.com has all of our comics in physical and digital copy. 
So if you want to check out the digital first, uh, you can download them and you'll get a PDF emailed right to you. If you want a physical copy, you can even put like notes for me to sign it to specific people, stuff like that, and I'll do it. Um, and at conventions, we're actually doing variants. So like that Humana poster, we have a convention exclusive variant and we're going to be at Fan Expo in Chicago this year. We have two tables. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, we're going to. I was actually there last year. I planned on being there this year. But we'll see. Oh, yeah. No, if you guys stop by the table, we'll have T-shirts. So you guys get a T-shirt. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I did want to show this. Now, once again, this is only the people that watch it on uh, Spotify or on YouTube, YouTube will be able to see this. So that's kind of why I was like, you know what? Let's have John. Say for those 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 people that do not watch it or do not see it on those platforms, and they may see it somewhere else. Uh, but yeah, it was definitely a treat. Thank you so much, John. Uh, we just wanted to let you know this is your house. You're welcome anytime. You're welcome to come join us, talk about anything, about nothing. You're anything. <laughs> this is your house, John. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. This is a lot of fun. No All right, thank you. thank you. And for every Everybody else, hold on. There you go. Uh, You're getting it. You're getting it. Yes, I am. <laughs> uh, make sure you join us as we stream on Twitch and try to raise money for Lori Children's Hospital Chicago. All links are in their website. Uh, we are partnering with um, <clears throat> Extra Life to raise money for Lori's Children's Hospital. So far, if we get to 5K, we're going to shave our head. I have some emotions when it comes to that. <laughs> I don't want to shave my head, but I will do it for this cause. And it but was I, your idea. So it, you're doing it, it. It was my idea. And you're doing it. I'm scared now of it, right? <laughs> uh, uh, for everybody else, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, everywhere. Uh, all platforms, you know, like the link's in our website, just geekstudios.com. Everything's there. Just go there. Uh, I'm not I'm not about to be like, hey, hey here, right there. Just go, go to the website. Everything's there. One-stop shop. Perfect. Uh, but yeah, uh, we want to thank you, John, for coming. And for everybody else, we will see you guys on the next episode. Until next time, gang, gang. Take care.